Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit CelebrationChurchLive.com. A series we're going to be tracking um, over the next few weeks, and we're just calling it Jesus Said What? Um, Because uh, there are some things that Jesus said that can be just a little unsettling, like it can just be challenging. And in fact, today, we're going to look at the most challenging thing that Jesus said to his contemporaries, to the people who were there and heard it with their own ears. In fact, what we're going to look at Jesus said today, um, there were a ton of people who just said, I'm done with you, Jesus. I can't take this. I, I can't handle what you just said. And I'm walking out and I'm not following you anymore. And there was a bunch of people who just could not handle it. And the truth is, is when there's a number of things, you know, that Jesus says that feel not so Jesus-y to us, you know. Um, you know, never will I leave you or forsake you. Oh, man, that feels nice and Jesus-y. Yes, he'll, he'll always be with us. And he will. You know, let the little children come to me. It feels real Jesus-y. But there's some other things that Jesus says. We're like, eh, Jesus, that's kind of challenging, Jesus, that's got a little bite to it. Jesus, that, that, that makes me uncomfortable. And we're going to be looking at some of those things. And the reason for that, the reason for it, is because you and I, as children of God, as disciples, um, then we're going to have our own moments as we're spending time in the scriptures, as you're spending time in prayer, where the Holy Spirit is just going to say some things that challenge you that challenge you to move forward, challenge you to let go of some old thoughts, some old patterns, some, some old hangups, and to step into a new and deeper life. And just like some of the people we see responding in, in a difficult way, um, guess what, you and I, we can begin to, to, begin to stagnate when the challenging things are spoken by the Holy Spirit in our heart, and we're just like, I don't know about that. I don't know that I'm quite ready to move forward than that. So let's go ahead. If you've got your Bible app, your bulletin, however it is you're going to track with us today, um, I want us to, we're going to lead off with this idea that some of the things Jesus said were totally shocking because they were looking at things totally wrong. And the truth is, is that when you and I brush up against something that the Holy Spirit says to us, and we're like, "Eh, I don't know about that. I don't want that. Um, The reason we're pushing up against it is because truth has spoken, and we've embraced another truth. And all of a sudden now, we're convinced of our rightness, and we will stay stuck in that space. The reason these people pushed back against Jesus um, isn't because they just Well, some of them just didn't like Jesus, but a lot of them, one that they didn't like Jesus is they just were convinced of their rightness and they just could not see it in a different space. And before we move forward into any of the idea of the challenging things that the Holy Spirit may speak to your heart, that the scriptures may speak to you directly, we have to understand why Jesus came because otherwise we'll leave room for things to get off track. So let's go ahead and look at John 3, 17. Yes, you're super familiar with 16, but 17 is incredibly important as well. And here John writes, he says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but to save the world through him. He did not send Jesus to condemn. So anytime we have some challenge on any of the fronts, the Holy Spirit speaks something that's a little challenging to us. He's not doing it to condemn us. He's not doing it to to point out flaws and, and, and to give us a hard time in that space. Although the enemy will begin to come in and use that and twist it and go, oh, you're not worthy. Oh, see, you failed here in this space. Oh, see, you know, God's hard to please and all of those different things. And, and the enemy will come in and bring that thought, which is why before we got into any of embracing correction and in the, in the, in growth in Christ and the challenging things, we dealt with thought bubbles last series. Because we've got to understand that we're going to, a lot of this is going to happen with making sure we're the author of our thoughts and allowing the Holy Spirit to begin to speak into that space. But he's not come to condemn. What has he come to do? He's come to save the world. Every place that the Holy Spirit speaks and says, hey, I get this is a little challenging for you, but I want you to step into it. It's to bring another deeper level of salvation into your life. He's not poking at you and just messing with you for no reason. He's trying to bring more salvation, more life, more growth to you. It's for your good. So he's not trying to condemn you. He's trying to get life to you. And we will begin to pull against that and become our own enemy. So this morning, let's go ahead and we're going to spend a good bit of time in John chapter 6. And let's go ahead and start in verse 47. You won't find it in your bulletin notes. You're just going to see it on the screen. And so, and Jesus says, very, or very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. It's just super plain, super there, right off the bat. Jesus wasn't hiding it. The truth of being, being saved by grace through faith, it's been right there. When we believe in him, we have eternal life. It is very clear. Jesus has been upfront about that the whole time. It's about believing, believing in what he was doing and would do that gives us eternal life. Now, I get it. In this space, man, here we are, Resurrection Sunday. You've come to church. You've created a space for this. You believe on some level. You're here and you believe on some level. Now, there are people who just are super engaged with their faith today. There are people who their faith is high, it is strong. Man, today is nothing but a celebration and exciting. And on the inside and maybe the outside, they look like some of our singers who just barely staying on the stage. I was a little concerned that we're going to have a safety net, like somebody's going to fall off the front of this sucker. And so, and then they go, woo, and then come back and you're you're like, I'm not there, okay? I'm not there as far as my excitement about it. I'm, I'm maybe in a different place. It's not that I don't believe, it's just I've been having some challenges to my faith. And that may, that may be in your space that you're actually here today because there's somebody you love a whole lot, you care a whole lot about, who said, hey, would you come with me to this? Would you, would you go to church with me and, and celebrate something that's very dear to me? In the place of kindness, you're here in this space and you're not fully pushing back on the idea of a resurrected Jesus, on who Jesus is. But man, your faith, it's, it's just kind of just there. And, and so, and I want you to know, I want you to know this morning that you, your salvation faith doesn't rest 
on how excited your faith is, okay? It doesn't rest on how, if I'm telling you, all it has to do is be placed in Jesus. Sometimes it just takes everything we can do to hang on to faith. Sometimes it takes everything we can do to let go of something that's holding us back. And that is just as much faith as anything else. And I'm, <clears throat> one of my favorite stories for me was when I was this, uh, right at the end of my senior year in high school, way back in 1992, way back in the 1900s. And so in 1992, I was finishing up high school in Odessa, Texas. I uh, had a little bit of graduation money in my pocket. And one evening I saw this big old tall crane on the flat uh, night horizon of Odessa, Texas. And I knew one thing was happening, that there was bungee jumping taking place. Now, this was literally the wild west of bungee jumping. No one had regulated yet. It was just crazy people renting a crane and making lots of money on a weekend. That was what it was. And so, and um, I should have known something was up. Someone was not like speaking some wisdom into this because they were just in the parking lot of this cowboy bar out on 8th Street in Odessa, Texas. And they had put, um, a, a, put a, a blue tarp out on the ground, blue Walmart tarp out on the ground but right where everybody comes down. Um, and I'm like, okay, this is, a, this is a parking lot. There's asphalt here. Um, the only reason there's a blue tarp out um, is so that they don't have to pressure wash in case something goes wrong. And so that cleanup is easy, man. They just roll them up like a little blue taquito and shove them under the trailer and pop out a new one and go, next? And so, will that be cash or card? And so, and um, anyways, it was just, it was just crazy. So as I'm in line filling out my paperwork, and so there are all of these drunk cowboys coming out of the bar, going up, doing their bungee jump thing. And man, and they were cowboys. I mean, they were like hitting it, man. Those guys would go up and they were yeehawing and all sorts of stuff, flipping, turning, going crazy, just amazing, inspiring stuff. I'm like, so I'm sitting there, I'm getting my game plan, yeah? Like, I'm like, I'm about to ride this thing. I, you know, I've got to put on a show for these people. And so I'm thinking of all of the, like, I can do a flip or two, or, you know, it's like, I can at least do the Nest T plunge. How many of us old people remember the Nest T plunge? Nobody's going to own up to that one. Thank you. Thank you. This must be the young crowd. Bunch of millennials in here. And so the old Nest T plunge, I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do something. And uh, so on the way up, um, all of a sudden, the, you know, the big old long hundreds of hundreds of feet ride up the crane. Um, all of a sudden, the, you know, the wind starts to catch about halfway up. And you're like, whoo, all right, this is a little more spooky up here. And then you get all the way up to the top. And that crane looks solid at the bottom. And it is moving up at the top. And it's so high and it's so flat. Man, I can see the lights of Midland, Texas. And of course, we don't like Midland, so you know, try to spit on Midland from up there. And so, and, and then we just, just see, it was just so high and windy and incredibly uncomfortable. And if I could have saved face and just ridden down, I'd like, you can keep my money, I'm out of here. Thanks for the view, I'm done. And so, but I had two friends that were down there and I'm like, I would never hear the end of it. I have totally got to like bungee off of this thing. And so the guy 
says, okay, you got to get out of the cage. I get out of the cage and get on the outside. There's a little tiny platform. I stand on the platform. He says, I'm going to count you down, okay? And I'm going to count you down. And when I say three, two, one, then you jump. So I'm like, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to go backwards because looking forward was too scary. So I'm, like, I'm going to go backwards. And so uh, he sit there and he counts. He says, three, two, one. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 not, not happening. Not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I do that like multiple times. Um, to the point he's getting irritated, people are yelling, you know, jump, jump. And so, and I'm just, finally he counts me down, three, two, one, and I finally just start to melt. And I just start <laughs> to just go down like that. And I go down just hanging on, and finally my rear end is hanging over deeper than the ledge. And I'm just hanging there, fully extended. I can't go any further. And it takes everything within me just to pry my fingers open. And I just fall backwards. And I look like a dead bird falling out of a nest. Just, <laughs> just nothing glorious, nothing inspirational. Just the saddest looking, not bungee jump, bungee just fall. Just, it was terrible. And so as I'm coming down, every muscle in my body is just tensed up. It was just not enjoyable. And so until the bungee caught. And when the bungee caught and it started to throw me back up in the air, I got a little bit of a glimpse of what those disciples on Resurrection Sunday morning may have had. When they walked up, they'd heard the news. They'd walk up to that empty grave that stone has been rolled over. They dared to poke their heads in there. They dared to look and there was his grave clothes still in there. There was his cloth folded up. And all of a sudden, something that had felt like all hope was gone, like I, this is not what I signed up for. This was not what I wanted. All of a sudden now, they see the empty grave. And all of a sudden, hope rushes into their hearts. And they begin to recognize, man, Jesus was right. He told us he was not going to stay dead. He was right. This grave is empty. And all of a sudden, it changed everything. Things went from absolute gloom to absolute exhilaration. That fast. And as I was flying up, man, all of a sudden, man, I wasn't stiff anymore. Man, I'm running straight up in the air. I'm kicking. I'm saying unnice words. I am saying, I was not really giving my life full of Jesus yet. So, and so it was, but man, I'm telling you, it was just absolutely, absolutely exhilarating. And one of the things I've always held on to is the truth is, is the courage and the, the trust, the faith that the guys that inspired me, the guys that jumped out and did all the cool stuff and did all the amazing things and was just so inspirational to watch them live their bungee moment, their faith in that bungee cord was the exact same as my faith when it just took everything I could do to begin to just let go and trust. This morning, I'm here to tell you right now that if you have placed your faith in Jesus, even if it feels like it's taken everything within you just to do it, and you're still a little bit in a knot about it, I'm here to tell you, you belong to Jesus. Resurrection power is yours. You don't have to walk this out some beautiful, inspirational way. I'm here to tell you when that thunder claps and the sky opens and Jesus comes back for it, you're a part of that just like anybody else. Why? Because it's about faith. 
It's about what he has done. It's about believing in what he has done. That is what this is about. And for him to begin to let us understand that something's got to get on the inside for faith. He keeps going. Let's get deeper into John chapter 6, verse 47. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. And now he's letting us know what this is going to look like. He says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. Now, just a reminder, manna was what was miraculously provided for 40 years in the desert while the people were between coming out of slavery but before they went to the promised land, there was a period of wilderness and God provided for them in that space. It just miraculously came from heaven, this, this thing called manna, and they ate it. For 40 years, God provided this bread substance for them to be able to enjoy, but they still died. But that whole moment, Every moment as they went out and gathered it, it was a prophetic sign that God was going to do something in the future. And Jesus is saying in verse 50, but here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. It's like my physical being, my flesh, I'm going to give for the life of the world. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to die. He's going to be resurrected. His flesh is going to do something. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now, Jesus had been speaking in metaphor over and over again. He had been speaking in parables and metaphors, and they didn't give him a hard time about any of that space. But here in this space, they're giving him a hard time when he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you like chicks under my wings. They understood. That's a reference to Ruth. It's not that he's going to grow feathers and have big wings he's going to protect us all with. They understood. It's metaphor. But here's the problem. Why did these Jews begin to scoff? Why did they begin to push back against it? This was the group of people who already had beef with Jesus, who already were looking sideways at what he had to say. So then when something challenging comes out of his mouth, man, they want nothing to do with it. Folks, you and I can learn a lesson from this. We can learn a lesson from this space that if you and I, if we start to kind of put, push Jesus at the edge, We all of a sudden kind of begin to put him at arm's distance. When something challenging comes out, it's all the easier to just, nope, I've got nothing to do with this and take it completely wrong. So guess what? Well, there's going to be some challenging things. There's going to be some life changes. There's going to be some things the Holy Spirit's going to talk to you about in your growth and the way you respond and the way you handle other people in your life and the way you do life. The Holy Spirit's going to talk to you about it. And some of them are going to be challenging. And if you want to be able to handle those challenging things, stay closer daily. Don't keep him at arm's distance. Stay closer daily. It's not that you won't be challenged. It's that you'll understand and be able to have deeper relationship with him. The Jews scoffed and took it directly the wrong way because they already were looking at him sideways. Just turning about face was just 
too much, too much easier. See, the truth is, is it made no sense that Jesus said that they're to eat his flesh and drink his blood. That's not what he was saying. He's not saying you got to take a bite out of my shoulder. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about that he was going to be able to bring life the same way, the same way bread brings life. That manna for those people, it came down from heaven every day. But you know what they had to do? They had to go out and get it, and then they had to take it in and let it, and when it began to give its nourishment when it got on the inside. He says, I'm going to bring life the same way bread brings life. You have to let me on the inside. See, none of you have ever got hungry and said, oh man, I am so hungry, and pulled up a YouTube video about bread and just watched it, man, just binge some bread TikToks and then go, oh man, I feel so much better. Man, whoo. Man, I, I'm, I feel so much better. No, some of you have watched some bread videos, some food videos, and got hungry. You got hungry for the real thing by watching those videos, but you did not all of a sudden get satiated by the real thing from those videos. You didn't sit there and watch some bread and then all of a sudden get a loaf of bread and just get close to it, like put it on your shoulder. Go, oh man, yeah, I'm feeling so much better. Oh yeah, but put it over here, yeah. Man, I'm just so close to this bread. I've just been carrying it with me everywhere. I'm just so much better. No, we know that's foolish. It's got to get on the inside of us. And Jesus was letting us know, as all people, Jesus is going to make a difference in our life when he gets on the inside of us, when we let him into the inner parts of us, the way we think, the way we respond, the way we do life, when we let him into our hearts. I'm so thankful that we can watch Jesus YouTubes and Jesus TikToks. I'm so thankful. But guess what? That's something that should make you hungry for the real thing. That should make you lean into the real thing. Being able to be a part of a, of a Sunday morning and an experience or a small group gets you near and getting you near to Jesus-y type stuff. It should be able to whet your appetite and make things easily accessible for you to take in Jesus and allow him to change you from the inside out. That is where the life change comes. He says, I'm going to change your life the same way bread changes your life. It's got to come from the inside out. You're going to have to let me in on the inside. John chapter 6, verse 53, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Unless you let me in on the inside... It's not going to be any life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Once you've let me in, eternal life is yours. And I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food. What I'm actually, what I'm going to do with my physical body, it's actually going to make a real difference. My blood, well, that it's going to be spilt, it's actually going to make a real difference. It is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever will live forever see what the accusation that they had against him that oh you're saying we're going to have to to eat your flesh what he was really saying 
was even wilder than that because he said that he is the source of eternal life. Here is this mortal man, they're following around, hearing him teach, being able to, to watch him interact, and he's saying that he is the source for eternal life. That is actually even more radical than even the idea that his flesh is food and his blood is drink. In verse 59, he said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? And aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. He said, if this offends you, what happens when you see me complete my work? What happens when you see that I actually go to the cross and I come out of the grave and I'm alive again? If you don't get this, that my flesh counts for something, you're not going to get what I'm doing on the cross. You're not going to get what it's about. You're going to be offended then too. And then verse 66, he says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words. Now, they didn't say, um, hey, we get it, Jesus. We know what you mean with your, your body is food and your blood is drink. We, we get that. We understand. We're, we're tracking with you. They didn't say that. They said, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. They were still confused. They still didn't get it. But what held them was what they did get. That was what held them. That's what kept them following Jesus. They said, we've already trusted in you on so much that we will continue to walk with you even when we don't understand what you're saying. Guess what? If you want to continue to go and deal with the hard, challenging things the Holy Spirit's going to say, you're going to have to stay rooted in the things that you already know. That is why we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. That is why Jesus told his disciples, he says, I've got a lot to say to you, but you can't handle it, and I'll send the Holy Spirit to talk to you. Why? Because there was some growth that had to happen, because they would have turned away. But once they grew, then they could step into it. What holds us in place when we hit something we don't understand with God is holding on to what we do understand about God. This thing about this literal body and blood of Jesus has been a, a thing that has been misunderstood and has been a challenge for, for many years, even into fairly recent history. And so whenever I was a freshman at ASU, um, one of my friends was a, an exchange student from, from Russia. And this was 1993 in which we met. And of course, if you remember your history, um, Russia dissolved as, a, uh, as an entity in December of 1991. So he, it's just two years, um, not even two years after Russia is dissolved. And so my friend Dima had lived all of his teen years under communist rule. And so the 
everything comes down and then immediately all of the Christians who've been held back, they just come in by the floods and begin to preach the gospel. And praise God, one of the most evangelistic groups of people throughout the the last hundred years have been the Baptists, man. Baptist missionaries have carried the gospel into so many different spaces. And so the communists had had their own little stuff to go, you don't want to listen to the Baptists, don't have anything to do with the Baptists. And so they had been spreading these rumors around. And so when my buddy decided he was going to go and check some of this Christianity stuff out. He told his parents, he was 17 years old, and he told his parents, he said, hey, I want to go do this. And they're like, okay, you can go look at it. But remember, his parents, they've been under communist rule their whole lives. And they're like, you can go listen to anybody, but don't listen to the Baptists. He's like, why not the Baptists? And they said, because the Baptists are cannibals. You can't go there. They're cannibals. They're going to, they eat people. And they had been told because of celebration of communion. And so, and then the communist rulers had just disseminated that out, that, man, these people are messed up. And so this thing has been a challenge point for years and years and years. But when we get into the depths of it, the real explanation, it was even more shocking because Jesus was going to redefine how to be made right with God. I want, we're going to have to do a little exercise right quick. And in this space, I need you to think So we can put ourselves into these Jewish disciples, how it's going to feel to them when Jesus is about to say what he says, okay? Now, we're believers in this space, okay? So we're all about Christmas, okay? We're all about Christmas. So I want you to think about um, your your favorite, if you have one, um, Christian teacher, Christian uh, minister. And so and just, just kind of pick that person in your mind for this exercise. I'm going to go ahead and give one and just give a name so, that we, so it's more concrete. So you may or may not love this man, but I have a ton of esteem and respect for the late, great Billy Graham. And so I have a ton of respect for him. But let's say that Billy Graham, at the end of his ministry life, um, at the end of his life, he had his core uh, leaders who were going to carry his organization forward. And he said, you know what, guys? Um, I've had a, this wonderful run of ministry, seen a lot of people come to Christ and things. And so I want you to do, okay, now whenever you celebrate Christmas, when you celebrate Christmas, I don't want you to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I want you to celebrate my birth. Yeah. You'll <laughs> get quiet. Yeah, no, that's, he is redef- he's about to redefine their holiest moment of the year. And we're about to look at Jesus' Passover with his disciples. And as meaningful as Christmas is to you and I as believers, Passover was even more meaningful to these Jewish disciples, okay? So let's go ahead and look at this in Luke chapter 22, verse 13. It says, and they left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, he's eaten multiple Passovers with them. Multiple of them have been with him for three years. Passover happens every year. And so he's had multiple Passovers. But he says, I've been ready to eat this one with you. Eagerly ready to have this Passover with you before I suffer. He's not hiding the fact that he's going to suffer. It says, For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment 
in the kingdom of God. And as soon as he said kingdom, man, those good Jewish Hebrew Israelite boys, man, they were like, bam, yes. We just had the triumphal entry. People were saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were cutting down the palm branches. There was a parade for a king. The very next day, Jesus goes into the temple, Tumps over, then dumps over all of the, the tables, kicks everybody out, makes a whip, drives out the livestock. He's not beating people, by the way. He's driving out the livestock, and he's cleansing the temple, saying, my father's house is a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. He's just cleaning house. He's setting things up, and they're like, yes, this is about to change everything. And he says that I now, I'm not going to have this again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. They're like, yes, this is the last Passover under Roman rule. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. So they're taking it. They're so excited. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Yes, yes, he's about to establish the kingdom. And then he took the bread and gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Hold up, Jesus, hold up. Um, I'm I'm not sure what happened here. Um, We know what this Passover meal is about. This is about remembering when the people, our people were in, in Egypt and then they sacrificed a lamb and they put the blood on the doorpost. And, and then when they were inside, then they were protected. And then they got led out of slavery. And we're celebrating that. That bread was the quick bread that they made because they couldn't put leaven in there because they had to leave so fast. And that God's deliverance can come suddenly, even if it feels like it's taken a long time. And we know what this bread is all about. And... and This is not about you. We've been doing this for a long time. And Jesus, you can start over. It's okay. I I don't know. Yeah, no, no. You can start over. He's like, no. This bread, this thing that everybody has been celebrating over and over again, this has been pointing to me the whole time. Not only was I going to lead my own people out of slavery and captivity, this was actually an image. This was actually something everyone should be looking for because I'm going to lead the whole world out of slavery. I'm going to deliver everyone from sin and bondage. No one is going to be left out of this thing. That is what he is saying in this space. He says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me and in the same way after the supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you in the which is poured out for you see at the beginning of Jesus's ministry there's the most powerful one sentence message ever preached and John the Baptist saw Jesus and under the spirit of God pointed at Jesus and said the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world See, they understood about the lamb. The lamb would be sacrificed at Passover time to take away the sin of Israel for a year. But under the spirit of God, John the Baptist knew that Jesus was the lamb of God who was going to take away the sin of the world. 
And here on the night in which he was betrayed and he was about to go to the cross, he's like, remember this thing that started my ministry? John was right. This has always been pointing towards me. So as we're about to shift, and we're not done yet, we're going to do communion together in just a minute, but I want to create a moment before, before we step into communion. I want to create a moment right here and now. If you could just go ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads and give a quiet moment. Because if there's anybody in here who wants to say, you know what, Pastor Brandon, I believe now that Jesus died for me that his death counts for me. This isn't about me trying to work harder or do better, but embracing and believing Jesus and therefore having eternal life. And I'm ready to place my faith in Jesus. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up and we want to pray with you. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, praise God, yes, yes, yes. I'm gonna pray over you right now. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for these that have just in their hearts, Lord, stepped over from death to life. Heavenly Father, they have made their decision that they've placed their faith in you, that what you did on the cross, you coming out of the grave, it counts for them. That they are now your children. You're their father. Heaven's their home, Lord, and that you're gonna transform them from the inside out. And we just thank you that they're sealed right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So right now, if if every believer, you had the opportunity to place your faith in Jesus, you can have, we're all going to take communion together. So if you didn't get one of these on the way in, I want you to just raise your hand and our team will make sure to get something into your hands because all that want to participate, we want to make sure, we want to make sure you have this. But as we're in preparation, I want you to just go ahead and peel back the little clear layer at the top, which reveals the element with which we celebrate and remember the body of Christ. Just keep your hand up and they'll take care of you. And then we'll peel back the element with which we remember, move the foil. And celebrate the part which remember the blood of Christ. And so I'm just going to read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. All right. Just a few more. Just a few more. All right. Verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given things, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for the body of Jesus. We're so thankful that Jesus physically came, that he physically taught and did miracles, that he went to the cross, that he died and was placed in a tomb, that his body stayed there for days and then didn't stay there, came out of that tomb and left it empty, taught and showed himself risen and alive and then ascended in front of witnesses and will come again. We remember the body of Jesus, broken, resurrected for us in Jesus' name. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, we just remember that your blood was spilled on our behalf, your perfect sinless blood to cover the places where we have just failed, where we were just not loving, where we were not kind, where we were not who you designed us to be. And Lord, we're so thankful that Jesus sets it right, changes it all, Heavenly Father, and makes us new and fresh and alive. But we are your children and you're our Father, not because of what, what we've done, but because of what Jesus did. And we remember the blood that takes away all the sin of the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. If you could stand up, our prayer teams are coming forward. Our bottom line is this, that the reality of the cross lets us cross into a new reality. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.